Are you all good? Thank you, Darcy. You did a great job. God is so good. I see. It's bright. <laughs> I'm in the light. <laughs> I'm actually in the light here. My message is called for a purpose. And uh, we would all agree, I'm sure we would all agree, that God has a plan and a purpose for every person born on this earth, which is absolutely true. And God calls us into a high calling. You know, just... He doesn't have favourites, um, but he, he has a job and a calling for each and every one of us. And so, sadly though, I must say that many Christians never really enter into the fullness of their calling. You know, the word says, I know the plans that I have for you, the plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. See, God knows, he's got plans for us, plans for our good and a plan to give us a future and to give us hope. Jesus himself, he said in Matthew 20, 16, for many are called, but few are chosen. Literally, that means few choose to be chosen. You know, you have to volunteer. God doesn't force us to do anything. We put up a hand. Lord, I'm here. Whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you want from me, Lord, I'll do, I'll do that. And that's, that's the attitude that we have to, to have. You know, so, so many Christians really are spectators or bystanders. And you'll just uh, find there's just a few putting their hand to the plough. And uh, say like in a church, it's, it's really helpful if everyone plays a part. It makes it really easy when you've got somebody who'll say, well, I'll do this for you, I'll do that. That's, you know, that's great. That's the sort of attitude that God wants us to have. And um, so we need to fulfill what we're called to do, absolutely. You are called, definitely, for a purpose. You are not a mistake. You are here because you are chosen by God himself. And so, you know, we don't want to observe from a distance and be unwilling or, or uncommitted, but we need to respond to the call. Respond to it because... Some people don't want to respond to you, feel God saying to do something, but it will take you away from other things we want to do or you might want to do. But they are things really with no eternal purpose. They're fun and they're good things, but maybe they have no eternal purpose. But I want to make sure I finish my race, that I will run my course, whatever God has called me to do. You know, it's, it's not that um, this being up here is the most important part. That's only a tiny part of what I do, tiny part. But, you know, what's my, my purpose out there in the world? What is your purpose out there in the world? What is your purpose within your family? Are you the one who brings unity and, and love into the home? You know, what, what are you called to do? What is your purpose? You know, it's, it's, it's an all-about-me society, isn't it? People have got very selfish. The like which I've never probably seen in all the years of my life, but... People are afraid of getting too involved because it requires, you know, these commitments and so forth. And they don't take ownership of their calling, their cause. And so people are scared. You know, they may have to get out of their comfort zone. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes. Or worse still, they want to take, they take God out of the box that they have put him in. 
<laughs> people put God in a box. Did you know that? You know, they've got them all boxed in. This is how you see God and that's it. But, you know, you need to get God out of the box and let him be God. Let him be God to you. <clears throat> but, of course, if we're putting God in a box, you're putting our, ourselves in a box. Absolutely. We limit what God wants to do. But he's limitless. He's creative. He's all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-powerful. And no box could ever contain him. Absolutely. So we look at... So I've just got something in my mouth because my throat was croaky. So it's sort of stuck on my tooth now, okay? <laughs> if I look funny, too bad. Can't help it. At least I can talk. <laughs> okay, so as I was saying, people look at life from their God-limiting box. God is huge. He just loves you so much. He wants the best for you. He has got the best for you. He said, ask and you shall receive. I'm going to just move this thing off my tooth. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Amy. That was really good. Good, good. <laughs> anyway, you know, when Don and I were born again, oh, it was like instantly. <laughs> it's all about, it was all about God's plans and purpose. We were, we were so full on, honestly. I don't know how we did it. But anyway, and we never wavered from it. We were just so excited about the word. We were so excited about God. We were so excited about what we could do for him. But it's never too late to change. You know, it's never too late to say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's never too late to say that. Lord, your will be done in my life. Lord, I turn my life over to you. I yield myself to your call and your purpose for my life. That's what we need to be to tell the Lord. So Satan, he's really out to make sure that you never fulfill God's assignment for you. And not that he knows how that assignment is to be worked out. Satan doesn't know, but he does recognise the gifts on your life and understands he understands that God planned for those gifts to be used to fulfil your assignment on this earth. All of us, everyone born, everyone sitting in this room has gifts on your life, wonderful gifts. So no matter where you are in your Christian call, even if you've been running from the calling up to today, even if you've been living a selfish life up to this point in time, God wants you to know those gifts and the calling on your life remain untouched for you, especially for you to step into. Romans 11.29, for the gifts of, and the calling of God are irrevocable. You will never... irrevocable. He won't revoke them. They're predetermined, they're irreversible and unalterable. So our eternal destiny lies with us, not with God. He has placed his plans in our hearts for us to discover. He won't force us to fill his purposes. He won't force you. Or he won't force you to walk in that calling which he's called you to. But it's up to us to decide to fulfill them. And he does require our cooperation. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has planted eternity in their hearts, so in your hearts, 
except no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So he makes everything beautiful in, in its time. And to think he's planted eternity in our hearts. There is a dissatisfaction in the world today, a restlessness. People are restless. Moving from job to job, moving country from country to country, always searching for satisfaction but never really finding it. And why is that? It's because they never really find their God purpose or they're running from it. We were never called to just a lifestyle of comfort and convenience, which is very nice, but not that God's against the comfort of life, he's certainly not, but we're never called to just live a lifestyle of comfort and convenience. We were never called to be in a church and not function in that church in one way or other. It doesn't have to be big. It could be just, it could be, you know, loving on somebody, encouraging somebody, praying for somebody, somebody helping out there in the cafe. Just, uh, there's always something that could be done. Isn't that so? Yeah. So the moment you were saved, you were called to function in the kingdom and you weren't just saved so you could be forgiven and go to heaven, although that is awesome. But as I say, God has a much higher purpose for each and every one of us. And you all are called with a holy calling. It says in 2 Timothy 1.9, God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Isn't that amazing? Before time began, he already knew you. You are always within God. He knew you, had plans for you, even before you came to this earth, were born in this earth. And don't many Christians just go to churches of their own choosing instead of seeking out God? Uh, usually those perhaps may be a little less demanding as far as commitment is concerned or where they never felt challenged. People don't like to be challenged sometimes when they're told, you know, things... When I'm not talking to any one of you face to face. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> and like the saying is, if a cat fits, wear it. Okay? <laughs> It's really important because the word of God is there to change you, to give you hope, to give you future, a future. All right? So, so anyway, God sets and places each member in the body as he pleases. Oh, I think I'll just go over there now. No, you, you seek God's face about it. God sets and or places each member in the body as he pleases, not as we please. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. See, there's the word to prove that. <coughs> Who is it, Miriam? <laughs> is it for me? No. <laughs> Let me give you the Amplified of verse 27. Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. Isn't that good? Okay, I need to read it again. You don't know if it's good or not. Oh, let me read it again in the Amplified. Okay, verse 27 
of 1 Corinthians 12. Now you collectively, all of us collectively, are Christ's body and individually we are members of it. We are members of the body. Each part severally or separate and distinct. Each of you have it's a distinct call. Each with his own place and his own function. Amen. Isn't that good? Now you're not here by mistake. God put you here for a purpose. Absolutely. And you need to find your place and need to function in it. So God leads us to the church of his choosing. People say, oh, I like this church because of this or that. Yes, it's a great church, but is it God's choice for you? Is it God's choice or your choice? People don't realise how, how important this is. This is really important. That's why the body of Christ is so mucked up, some, really, because people are all in the wrong places. It's so true. So find your place. I remember Don saying that people find their destiny, Pastor Don, find their destiny when they are planted in the church of God's choosing. So when you find yourself in the church of God's choosing, you find your destiny. He was not saying their destiny is only focused on the church. It's not. But if you are where God chooses, then it's there you will get the full counsel of God's word. He will give you divine connections. You will encounter God and you will find your purpose. So nobody can function fully in their calling if they're outside of the local church. And there's so many. I know so many Christians who are not in a church. I find that really sad. People who have been devoted and full on, just not going to church anymore. What is the point? It's not just about the world. You know, it's, we need to devote time to the body of Christ. We need to devote, devote time to building the house of God, to building the church of Almighty God. Jesus died for the church. He shed his blood for the church. He tells us in Ephesians 4.16 in the New Living Translation, under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. If people are under his direction. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that awesome? You should, you know, that's, that's a wonderful scripture. Can I read it again? Because I like it. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Ephesians 4.16. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts. There's an, another one calling me, for goodness sake. They can just tell them it's... <laughs> As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Don't you love that? Full of love. I love that. Nobody pointing fingers at anybody else. Nobody yabbering about other people. We all grow in love. This is a house of love. I mean, that, that's so important. If, if we can't find love in the church, what's the point? This is where God is. God is love. Jesus died because he loved us. So we should be, we should be the loviest people <laughs> on the planet. So anyway, so that is why we do need to be in the church. You know, stragglers always get picked off. 
It's like a lion, you know, they pick off, they watch. They're watching the herds and they're looking for the, the weakest and even the youngest, you know, ones that, and they're, they're watching where it's going to be easy to take this, this one down. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil walks about like a roaring lion looking for those he may devour. He is looking. He doesn't like us. Satan does not like people because they were made in God's image. He, he doesn't like them. He, in fact, he doesn't just not like them. He hates them. And he is looking all the time to how he can devour us, how he can take us down, how he can steal our faith from us, how he can get us walking out of love by bringing mean people across our path. You know, just, just don't let it bother you. Let it wash off you. Just say, Lord, well, you know, I ask you to bless them. I know you love them. They're very hard to love. But, <laughs> but uh, Lord, you know, God will help you. He absolutely will. So there is protection being planted in the local church. And there are blessings and fruitfulness which come to those who are planted. A well-planted tree produces fruit. An uprooted tree doesn't. God connects us to people for a purpose. Our future is found in those we are connected with. Isn't that great? That is so good. So what do we receive in church should be carried beyond with us when we leave here. Absolutely, we should be carrying whatever we get in this church, carry it beyond the church. Learn to love people. I'm a smiley person. And I walk down the street and I'm always trying to catch people's eyes to give them a smile. And it's so nice because you see them just change. It lights up their day. Some people, they're so down, but I look for the down ones and, and I try and get their eye and I'll give them a big smile or I'll say, you know, I'll say something to them. Do that. Try that sometimes. Probably a lot of you do already. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Just got to see where I'm up to. So we can't be ignorant of God's word at all. We can't be ignorant of God's will. Of all the generations, we are the generation. We are the generation who had has had the greatest access to teaching of God's will and word you know, on YouTube and all this sort of stuff. But there is no excuse for us ignoring what God says to do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You must say, oh, well, I watched this on, TV, on, on my computer. That is not enough. And how do you know that person there is not a horrible person behind the scenes? You don't know. Not every minister is perfect. And uh, so you need to know those that you're going to learn from. There are some on you know, that I do know overseas that have proved themselves through, the, through time. But I just wouldn't just watch any old body at all. And there's no place like coming together and coming to church and hearing what God is saying to us as part of the body of Christ. Okay, so there is no excuse for us at all. And uh, it is God's will for you to serve and to work outside of the church. So when we know the truth and, and yet refuse to walk in it, what is it? Sin. <laughs> you know, if we know the truth and we won't walk in it, it's sin. If we know we are to forgive but refuse to walk in forgiveness, that's willful disobedience. We have to forgive people. Sometimes it's really hard when people have been through some horrible stuff. 
That is really hard, but you've got to dig deep. Get somebody to pray with you. We need to forgive for our sake. It's really for our sake. And uh, people choose to overlook that truth too much. It's knowing and acting on truth that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It says in Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the, assemb the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We see that day approaching. You know, we're getting closer and closer to what God is. God is going to do a mighty thing in the earth. Something awesome is going to happen. But we need to don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need to be here. God is going to burst on the church, then burst on the nations. And we need to be here. You know, a number of years ago, the, the um, statistics were that 40% of a church from week to week are away. Every week, 40% are away. Those are the, they, I don't know what it is now, but that's what it was then, and I don't think it's improved since then, which is rather scary, isn't it? We need to be in the house of God. It's not a big demand. Maybe it's maybe an hour a week, two hours a week. Is that too much? For God? No. Why would God put that in the Bible, you know, for us to be in the church and to be, to be together? It has to be important. You know, God doesn't say, oh, things and say, well, you can take it or leave it. Yet so many people, I see so many people choosing what they want to believe and acting ignorant of those instructions from God, which they don't want to live by. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. So why am I talking like this? I don't know. No, <laughs> I do. Because God is looking for those who will answer the call. He's looking for those of you who will say, Lord, I'm going to honour your word. I choose to honour your word and live from that place of honour. Living a kingdom life because there are, these are the ones he's going to choose to demonstrate his kingdom on earth. These ones. The ones he can trust. The ones who have proved themselves. The ones who will enforce his will on earth just as it is in heaven. You know, Pastor Don used to say, church is the locker room before the game. Do you remember that? You'd say that quite a bit. It's where the coach gives his pep talk. And Don was, Pastor Don was very good at pep talks. <laughs> and we all loved him for it. We did. So if we live a life of dishonor, we will be amongst those Jesus mentioned that many are called, but few are chosen. I want, to be, I want to be chosen. I want God to be able to choose me to do what he needs to be done on the earth today. So I've still got a few years left. <laughs> I think I do, yes. Yeah. So if we will allow spiritual apathy to settle on us because we become, hard, become hardened to the spirit of God, we become hollow and empty on the inside. Don't become hardened. Don't become apathetic about the things of the Spirit of God. Absolutely. Press into God. Press into the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wants to take control of you and fill you with his power and his goodness. He wants you to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. That's what we, we mean to be like Jesus on the earth. So 
It says in Matthew 28, 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And it was here on this mountain that Jesus called and commissioned the disciples for service. He gave them an assignment of authority against the devil and all his works, an assignment to disciple nations. Notice he didn't call them to the beach of Galilee or the Garden of Gethsemane, to a place of convenience or comfort. He called them to a high place, a mountain Jesus had appointed for them. To walk in the call on our lives, it requires us to go higher. It's harder to climb a mountain than it is to stroll to the beach. Isn't that right? So what is Jesus demonstrating? If we are to live in the place of our high calling, it will require diligence and commitment. It will require sacrifice, but the rewards are great. God has great rewards for us. These disciples, they had been diligent to make their calling sure. They had faced opposition, fear, discouragement, they, but they stuck to their calling. They were prepared to pay the price, prepared to go all the way with God. And we know the story of the, <clears throat> many of the disciples, you know, they were killed you know, for their faith. They went out throughout the world, but many of them were, were suffered for, for what they were doing. So if God can find people who will respond to his call, who will walk in their destiny despite all the trials and tribulations, he will have found a people that will march into the enemy's camp and set the captives free. Amen. Yes. yes. So those who will demonstrate his kingdom on the earth, that's what he's looking for, who will walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be stable in our walk and not be swayed by our circumstances or our emotions. We live by faith, not by sight. It's not what we see. We live by faith and not by sight. We put our faith in the Son of God who defeated darkness for us, who paved the way for his followers to walk in victory and to show others the way to victory and to life also. So our decisions determine our destiny. Our decisions determine whether we walk in our high calling or not. We have to decide to yield to God's plans, not our own plans. Jesus lived a life of purpose, not his purpose, not his purpose, but the purpose of God. His assignment was to redeem mankind. Jesus made right decisions because he had no desire to do what was pleasing to himself. He said in John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. Well, he could, of course, but he, he would of himself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Isn't that amazing? It's the Son of God saying that. And Jesus knew he would fulfill his call and his destiny because he was confident in his own decisions, because he had no desire to please himself. See, that's what we must do. We should have confidence in our decisions when we put God first. If he's directing us, we can be confident. But he, Jesus had no desire to please himself, but only his heavenly Father. So we have to make the same decisions so we can walk in our holy calling, our decisions to determine whether or not we will fulfill our destiny in God. So our challenge is to make decisions that conform to God's will on a daily basis for the rest of our lives. 
because you are called for a purpose. Your birth was not an accident. I don't care how you, where you came from, whatever. Your birth was never an accident. You were born in this generation because God has an assignment for each and every one of you for this time on earth, which is waiting to be fulfilled. These are great days we're heading into. Absolutely. I've been saying this for, probably been saying this for 38 years. Well, we're that much closer to it now. <laughs> and you're the only person who can fulfill it. You're the only one who can fulfill what God has called you to do. God has handpicked you to be born in this age, the kingdom age, the days of his glory. He has predestined you to take your place as a son or as a daughter of God to reign in life with Jesus Christ and to share in his inheritance. You know, it was a deliberate decision that put you on this earth at this specific time. It was God's deliberate decision to put you here right now. The finale is set for the outpouring of the Spirit that will bring a worldwide impacting Pentecost. The fire of God coming on this earth that will not just fall on an upper room, but on multitudes. And it is the glory of God. And this is the time for the church to rise up and be a glorious church. Without spot, without wrinkle, walking in the fullness of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Which category will you fall into? The chosen? The ones living out their purpose for being on this earth? Or the not chosen? Those who refuse to use the gift that is in them and to pay the price to walk in their destiny. I hope you choose. You're the chosen. Absolutely. The Apostle Paul, he was a man of destiny. He was out to annihilate Christians and the church until the day that Jesus appeared to him and said, this is what he said in Acts 26, 16, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Now I send you, in verse 18 it says, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Paul's past life didn't disqualify him from responding to the call of God. You could say, well, he was out there killing Christians. Yeah, but he changed 180 degrees. He responded to the call of God, and God didn't disqualify him. He was called, and he made himself available to be chosen. He said, I am a bond servant of Christ, called and separated to the gospel of God, Romans 1.1. If we are nearly finished here, but Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, you are God's workmanship. You're not just man's workmanship, you are God's workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He predestined that we should walk in them. If we follow Jesus, we will become everything God has intended us to be. The only person who can stop you fulfilling your calling is you. If you will link up with your divine destiny, God's purpose for you, become planted in a church, you are uniting with a work God has prepared for you before you were ever born. God's word is forever settled in heaven. Your calling is forever settled. 
before you were ever born, the very time and place of your coming to this earth was already known in heaven. God has books in heaven. And it says he has written all the days of our, our lives fashioned for us. He wrote them in heaven. Hebrews 10, 7 says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus took what was written seriously. All scripture is by inspiration of God. And yet we treat it so lightly sometimes. We need to remind ourselves that the Holy Bible is divinely inspired. You are God's masterpiece with a divine and holy call on your life. You are called to live a life worthy of him. To carry his presence and anointing to demonstrate Jesus' victory over darkness. The end time church is a church of destiny. We're part of being a church of destiny. We are a people of destiny. If we will line up with God's word and will for our lives, nothing in heaven and nothing on the earth or in hell can stop us from walking in our calling. God has staked a claim on your life. You belong to God. Psalm 24 one says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and they who dwell in it. That means God has first claim on your life. Not your family, not your friends, not your workplace, not your sport, not anything. God has the first claim. When he sent Jesus you, and you received him as your Lord and Saviour, that claim was signed, sealed and delivered in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's too late. If you're born again, it's too late. Okay. Nothing should come between you and God. Nothing. Nothing should claim our affections before our Heavenly Father. He gave us his finest and his dearest for us, Jesus, his Son. So it is time for God's people to be equipped with his word and his anointing. It's time to yield every part of our lives to him, yield to his claim on your life, and you will experience his peace and his joy and fulfillment on this earth that no, can be found no other way. There's a quote that says, if something is important to you, you will always find a way. If God is important to you, you will always find a way to serve him, to love him, to be involved, to come to church. If it's not, you'll always find an excuse. So I'm finishing right there. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that each and every one here, these are your children, Father, and you've, you've got a claim on their lives. Your son, Jesus Christ, died for each and every one, shed his blood, suffered horrendously on that cross, took all our sins. He who knew no sin was made sin with our sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I just, I just really pray for a major move of the Spirit of God in this church, Father, and throughout our nation. Father, that your glory will come. We've been waiting for this for 38 years, Father. Talked about it for 38 years in this church. Father, we're not going to miss now. We are so close. We're on the cusp of what something mighty that you're about to do. So, Father, we just want you with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, and our strength. 
We are so grateful to your son, Jesus Christ, for all he has done for us, even right now what he's doing for us. We're so thankful, we're so grateful. And we pray for your mercies upon us, your goodness to be released over us, over each and every one in this house right now, over this church and over this region and over our nation, Father. May your goodness come. May truth come in this nation. May the mercies of God be over this land, the mercy of God and the goodness of God and the life of God and the light of God and the glory of God come upon our nation, come upon this church and the body of Christ, Father, that we will shine with your glory, Father God, and people will run into the house of God to be saved. So, Father, we just thank you that you would bless each and every one here that your goodness is overwhelming them, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen.